Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, legendary podcaster Jim Harold shares a few strange tales from Jim Harold's campfire. The man claimed, and again, this was a man not given to ghost stories, not given to kind of flights of fancy. He said he walked in and he saw a man in a suit, except the man had what he called lizard eyes. And the man with the lizard eyes said, well, you sure told her, didn't you? And then he disappeared. And I guess till his dying day, this salt of the earth, straight in his arrow man, said that he thought that was the devil. This podcast is brought to you by Canada's decontamination specialists, crime and trauma scene cleaners. Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners is committed to helping people when tragedy strikes. Their objective is to restore safety to an environment in the most professional and discreet manner possible. To contact Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners, visit crimescenecleaners.ca. Call 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at info at crimescenecleaners.ca. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Well, it was a busy weekend for me with Coast to Coast AM on Saturday and The Conspiracy Show Sunday, painting the shed, taking care of the yard. I'll be hosting Coast again this coming Saturday, July 13th, and Sunday, July 14th. I also want to give you a heads up that I'll be heading to Greece again this summer. I'll be gone the end of July and returning early September. But I'll continue to churn out episodes of Conspiracy Unlimited. And just like last summer, I'll warn you in advance that during the podcast, you're likely to hear the odd rooster, and you'll definitely hear a few goats and a lot of dogs barking. All of our neighbors over there have big guard dogs, and they just never stop all morning, most of the day, and well into the evening. Uh, the mighty Aphrodite is there now, getting some work done around the house and hopefully having some time to relax a bit. And she just sent me a picture 
of a praying mantis that got into the house. She was not pleased. This thing was enormous and they looked so alien. Anyway, she wasn't pleased one had moved in, believe me. It's always fun when Jim Harrell drops by. He's really a pioneer in the podcast world. He's been at this for nearly 15 years and he's really mentored me when it comes to podcasting. Jim Harold's campfire is enormously successful and the podcast has spun out into a series of books as well. He's always full value and comes prepared with some fantastic tales and wonderfully strange and oftentimes scary stories. He's among America's most popular paranormal podcast hosts. With his free programs, The Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire, Jim has developed a loyal following that spans the globe. Jim Harold, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm well. It's so good to be with you. And uh, a while back, we got to see each other face to face when you were visiting my hometown. So this is a nice continuation of that and uh, really enjoyed meeting you in person after all these years and uh, really glad to be on the show. Thanks for the invite. Oh, my pleasure. And likewise, it was a great, uh, a great time in Cleveland. What a great town that is. I was very impressed with Cleveland and we're only four hours away, so we'll have to do it more often. Absolutely. I have to come up your way next time. <laughs> yes, yes. Toronto would love to have you. All right. So Campfire, how many seasons of uh, Campfire have you done? How many years? How many episodes? Uh, we're up to 10 years now. I think in April, we just passed 10 years of doing that. And uh, uh, originally, it wasn't even weekly. We kind of started on an every other week schedule, but that uh, changed. And, and I think we're slightly over 400 episodes now. So, you know, if you compare it to a radio show, it might not be a lot. But for a, for a podcast, over 400 episodes is pretty good. And the best thing about that is each one of those ha episodes has several real life stories of the strange from my listeners. And, and that's the way I think about it. Maybe hundreds of episodes, but thousands of stories. It, it's kind of neat that right. way. Right. And enough to fill five volumes of Campfire in book form and another one coming out uh, this fall. Yes. Uh, a few years in, I was talking to one of my friends in the, the the paranormal uh, area of study. And she said, well, why don't you compile some of those stories for a book? I, I think people would really enjoy it. And I, first I kind of poo-pooed the idea. And then I said, well, I'll try one. And that was successful. So we went to two and, and now we're going to be up to six. So each one is a compilation of about 70 stories uh, from the show, try to pick the best stories. And uh, it, it's great because, you know, there's some people who will never listen to a podcast, but they'll read a book. And it, it's really an honor to be able to kind of codify and curate these stories. And what makes, in your mind, uh, for a good or a great story that would be deserving uh, of being published in the book? I think a lot of times it most of the time, it circles around the storyteller, someone who seems very sincere. Uh, my favorite storytellers, honestly, are not the, the people who say, this happens to me all the time. Now, bless those people. I do believe some people are more sensitive. But uh, a very sincere, down-to-earth storyteller, uh, a story that sounds and is plausible, uh, even if it may be incredible, it, it's plausible and something that leaves a, leaves a bit of a mystery. And it can be everything. What I always say, Richard, and I'm sure you've, if you've studied this matter for many years and hosted many shows on these topics, to me, the paranormal is kind of like 
everyday life. There's good, there's middle, and there's evil. Uh, there's good, there's middle, and there's evil. And I think it's the same way with these stories. There's some that are terrifying and spooky and, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to come on uh, the other end of seeing a, a shadow person or some evil specter. But then there's some very heartwarming ones of loved ones who somehow get a message across uh, to those left behind. So so I, I, I think they can be scary or they can be sweet, but I think at the root of it is the sincerity of the storyteller. And so when you're soliciting stories for, for Campfire and, and people email you and then you vet them and then decide who's going to be on, uh, is it, are they always are you always looking for ghost stories or is it a little wider than that? It's quite a bit wider than that. I think people think of ghost stories the most because maybe they're the most common. But we do things everything from UFOs to cryptids to that kind of category that doesn't fit into any particular one and uh, we call that a head scratcher and that's really my favorite. I enjoy head scratchers because it's the kind of thing that makes you go Hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Sticks with you. Some of our best stories ever have been head scratchers. Well, let's let's um, sort of step outside the ghost uh, arena for a moment. Can you share a recent campfire uh, story that involves, let's say, a cryptid? Uh, we had one recently where a person, when they were a small child, they woke up. And they saw this thing with glowing green eyes. And this is a common theme that people will see strange things when they're a child. And then they'll recount it 20 or 30 years later. And it made such an impression on them that, uh, that it sticks with them. And, and that's why I tend to believe them. Because there really is no great fame with being on the program there there's really no great monetary gain or anything like that by being on the program but somebody says you know i'm 40 50 years old this happened to me uh strange activity around the house and one evening the, the worst thing happened when i saw woke up and saw this thing with green glowing eyes i had another person who swore back in the late 60s when he was a kid he saw what he interpreted to be a leprechaun. And the thing was, is that that sounds silly, like, oh, leprechauns, you know, maybe he was drinking too much. Funny, haha. -ha. But mm -hmm. years later, he got some validation from his brother. They had never discussed this. His brother didn't know of the sighting. And this caller mentioned it to his brother, maybe 20, 30 years later. And he said, oh, yeah, I saw him too. Now, was it a prototypical leprechaun? Probably not. I wouldn't think so. But could it have been some other kind of entity presenting itself? Or could it be the childhood mind? You know, we as humans want to put things in boxes. We want to interpret and identify. That's crucial to our survival. So maybe within his frame of reference, he thought it looked like a leprechaun, but maybe there was some kind of entity there. Right, right. I mean, you could also put fairies into that box. Yes. Uh, so, as you say, it doesn't necessarily have to be a little man with a red beard, you know, uh, clutching a shillelagh right. uh, decked out in green. In fact, my mother-in-law, who's uh, Greek, uh, she tells a story of even when, when she moved to Canada in the late 1950s, seeing, and she just sort of vaguely described them as little people, um, whether she meant fairy, whether she was even familiar with leprechauns but she referred to them as little people 
and they were she saw them on the the Chesterfield and in in Greek culture or maybe more widespread it might be a Mediterranean thing she would she sewed red pillows and if you were to see our house there are red pillows all over the place and these red pillows according to her cultural tradition are supposed to keep these little people away so uh it little the whole idea of little people i mean that's really widespread throughout the world even in north american in indigenous culture right yes absolutely now this reminds me of a really sad story um this uh, I think this caller called in uh, maybe a year or two ago, and she had a sister who has since passed with terminal cancer. But before her sister got ill, her sister worked at a bakery, and she would have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning because, you know, bakers start early, so they'll have the goods ready for the customers first thing in the morning. So she was probably 4 o'clock in the morning. This woman was pouring her morning coffee or whatever, and she saw what she described as kind of a small, like shadowy black entity. And she saw it behind a doorway. She saw it behind a uh, chair, I think it was, like a recliner or something. And this entity seemed to be mocking her or snarling at her. And it wasn't but a very short time later that this woman was diagnosed with cancer, which would ultimately kill her. And you almost have to wonder about the quote coincidence of that. Was that some kind of harbinger of doom? So, uh, and again, that's the kind of story our caller, you know, if anything, that's a painful memory, Mm. a painful story. What could be gained possibly by sharing something like that other than it's the truth and it happened. Now, uh, I guess some people might say, well, maybe that was the woman's subconscious somehow surfacing and somehow she may have known that she had this killer disease uh, in her case. Uh, I don't know, but I do think something happened. Right. And again, the the little people phenomena is so widespread. I think it's the Cherokee who, who talked about uh, little people. In fact, I've had guests on. Uh, I'm quite sure that it's the Cherokee. And they talked about two or three different races, if I can use that term, of little people. I I definitely think there's something to it. I don't know whether they're actual physical beings, whether they're interdimensional. But my mother-in-law, for example, you know, she's not one just to make up stuff. Right. And, And that's the thing that I find with a lot of campfire callers. These are people not given to flights of fancy or they will tell stories of somebody in their family who wasn't given to flights of fancy. I'll give you a perfect example. We had one gentleman call from the American South and he was talking about his father who I believe has since passed. Uh, I mean, passed when he had told this story, but um, this must've dated back to the forties or the fifties uh, and probably the fifties. His father had served in the second world war. So he was, you know, kind of a grizzled veteran uh, religious guy, salt of the earth, a hard worker, all of that. So uh, this man had his family and he had his family home and he had built himself a little shed so he could work on his projects and whatever um, on his off hours. It sounded like he was probably kind of a tinkerer. And uh, one evening they had had dinner and apparently he had had words with his wife 
which was the caller's mother. So he thought, oh, I'll blow off some steam. I'll go out to my shed and work on one of my various projects. The man claimed, and again, this was a man not given to ghost stories, not giving to kind of flights of fancy. He said he walked in and he saw a man in a suit, except the man had lizard, what he called lizard eyes. Hmm. And the man with the lizard eyes said, well, you sure told her, didn't you? Oh. And, then, <laughs> and then he disappeared. And I guess till his dying day, this salt of the earth, straight in his arrow man, said that he thought that was the devil. That that was evil, basically applauding the discord within the household. And as anybody who follows a religious tradition, uh, particularly, you know, Judeo-Christian religion, the devil, if he's in fact real, which I kind of think he is, but if he's real, he loves for us to argue with each other. So it makes sense. It, it plays to character. More of my conversation with paranormal podcaster Jim Harold when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Richard has tiny talking insects living in his sock drawer. We are bags and we are living in Richard's sock drawer. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Jim Harold of Jim Harold's Campfire fame is here. Ohio. Uh, driving through Ohio, I was taken by the. Uh, you know, you have your big cities there, of course, Cincinnati and Cleveland and Dayton and. Akron, but there's also a lot of wilderness in Ohio. Do you ever get any calls uh, from those in your state with a particular uh, cryptid story, like a, a Sasquatch story from Ohio? I can't think of a Sasquatch story from uh, Ohio, but there are some very odd places in uh, Ohio. I think they call it, the in the one area, they call it the Lemonheads. Uh, I'm trying to recall the exact uh, uh, e exact story of that, but there are quite a few spooky stories in Ohio, even in the Cleveland area. We have, uh, and this is not cryptid, but I, I immediately think of what we call the Franklin Castle. And over the, it's kind of like, uh, if you think of the Hope Diamond, the way the Hope Diamond is cursed. Um, this house is cursed. And every time somebody goes and says, we are going to renovate the, the Franklin Castle, which is supposedly hugely haunted, either the person dies or they go bankrupt or there's a fire and, and that series of things. And it seems like we have a lot of uh, paranormal people in Ohio. 
uh, maybe more per capita. We have people like Seth Breedlove, who has the successful uh, movies that have been coming out, uh, uh, things about the Flatwood Monster, Terror in the Skies, and he also does a lot of work, The Beast of Bray Road, a lot of cryptid work. We have Michelle Belanger of uh, the Paranormal State fame. We have Teresa Argy and Kathy Weber, the Haunted Housewives. We have John Kachuba, who is a, a well-known author in the area of the, the paranormal, and many, many more, uh, James Willis, and many more that I'm not thinking of. So we seem like we have a lot of paranormal people here uh, in Ohio and, and certainly some paranormal places. And you were talking about indigenous peoples earlier. Another thing Ohio has, which actually in college I, I helped produce a documentary, which I think was shown for years in Ohio schools, about the mounds of Ohio. Ah, yes. The most interesting one to me is Serpent Mound. Now, on some of my shows, particularly my Plus Club shows, I do things on ancient mysteries. Just got to visit Stonehenge last month, which was quite a hoot. But uh, Serpent Mound, if you've not been there and you're interested in ancient lands and ancient mysteries, check out Serpent Mount. If you go um, at a certain elevation above it, it looks like a, a snake, but it was built by these ancient indigenous peoples. Absolutely fascinating stuff. Yes. I, uh, on my way to Pittsburgh from Cincinnati, uh, I traveled through West Virginia and I met up with a colleague of ours, Mark Eddy, and he took me oh, yeah. and my boys to Moundsville. And of course, we saw the Moundsville State Pen, which is uh, featured in all the Ghost Hunter TV shows. And apparently it was second choice for the uh, Shawshank Redemption location. Mr. Mansfield, yeah. Yeah. But the, the across the street uh, is the Grave Creek Mound. And I don't know if it's similar to the mounds in Ohio, but this one is like goes straight up, I think something like 60 meters. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was supposedly built or constructed by the Adena people as a burial mound. And right next to it is the uh, this museum featuring all these artifacts from West Virginia and Ohio Valley's prehistory. And they totally, in the... Uh, in the museum, they totally poo-poo the idea that the Adenas were giants, but that that legend persists because they have they have excavated uh, some some very large skeletons out of those mounds, uh, some over seven feet tall. What about the the, the snake uh, mound? Is, are they reportedly built for giants? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, but the, the thing of it is, is you have to be a certain elevation to see the shape. And, and to me, and again, I remember, and this is back in the early nineties, when I started talking to the head of archeology span of the college that I went to the university I went to, and I said something about Eric Von Donick and he looked like I did something in his soup, but, <laughs> but I'm wondering why is this built? It, and if you Google it, it it's basically looks like an, uh, an, uh, a serpent, a snake, uh, in kind of a, lying on the ground in a zigzag pattern, swallowing an egg. That seems like it could be a fertility symbol, mm -hmm. those kind of things. But my question is, and maybe it was ancient gods of some type, 
who did they expect would see it? Ah, right, right. That's the question. If it's only something you can see now uh, at Serpent Mound, they have an um, observation tower that's so many feet up, but ostensibly they didn't have that back then. So who was it meant for? It wasn't meant for the people to see. Right, I can't right. If that was Adina or Hopewell, but there were the Adina and, and Hopewell people. So it ties into what you said about West Virginia being in that same general region. But my question is, who were they? Who were they doing this for? You know, same if you look at something like the Nazca Lines down in Peru. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this is a little off of the campfire subject, but again, it ties to me, Richard. It all ties together because the the one frustration I have is I have a show called The Paranormal Podcast. That was my first show. I started in 2005 as a hobby, which turned out to be my full-time job, which I'm eternally grateful for. But the thing is, is when I said paranormal, I didn't, now you say the word paranormal, it's like, oh, ghost stories. Well, no, no, no. To me, it's much more than that. I go by the old um, kind of example of the old In Search of TV show with Leonard Nimoy, which kind of really got me started on this one as a really small kid, like in first grade. Um, when they talked about the paranormal, they were talking about it all. They were talking about ghosts. They were talking about UFOs. They were talking about cryptids. They were talking about ancient mysteries to some extent because they're, they're certainly the physical piece of it, but some people think that there's a spiritual piece, and then you even get to people who say ancient astronauts and ancient aliens. So, so to me, I lump it all together, and I'm interested in all of it. Sure, absolutely, me too. And, and In Search Of was certainly a, an early influence on me as well. Um, I just wanted to circle back to something you mentioned earlier in Cleveland, and that is the Franklin Castle. And I don't know if that's the same building I was looking at. We were staying in a hotel on Euclid Avenue, and as we strolled down Euclid towards Playhouse Square, uh, on the it would have been on the left-hand side, there is this enormous, it looked like a castle, but it said on the front of it, the Cleveland Greys. Oh, yes, you're talking about Gray's Armory. Ah. Now, that is not the Franklin Castle. The Franklin Castle is not um, not uh, downtown. It's more on the west side, the near west side. Now, um, Gray's Armory was Cleveland's, literally that, armory for a militia. And I believe it is purported to be haunted. I have been in there, and it is very, very old for an American building. And very, very kind of creepy. Even the, uh, uh, I don't know how much of you saw of it, but it, it had, I think it may have been built in 1893. I'm not sure, but it had the the numbers and kind of this Gothic style. And it just, uh, it, it looks perfect for, uh, for a movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or a remote broadcast of, uh, of Jim Harold's campfire. Would I think you, that's a good idea. Would I you mean, stay over there overnight? Yeah, I think I would. Now, the question would be, would I do it by myself? That's, (laughs) I think if I had some company, yeah. If I didn't do, I don't know. (laughs) How much, how much, uh, uh, how much would they pay? No, they wouldn't pay anything. But the, the, the point is, is that, I don't know. And that's interesting. I mean, I know there was a whole paranormal show here, down here in the States based on that idea, staying in a haunted house by yourself overnight. That would be a place I'd be a little leery of. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. 
As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Um, do you have in mind, I mean, as you're cobbling together uh, volume six of uh, Campfire, the book, do you have a, a favorite ghost story in mind that you could share with us? Well, uh, gosh, there have been so many of them. Um, I'm trying to think of a more recent one that uh, that uh, really kind of uh, really kind of gets the uh, gets the kind of spirit of all of it. And uh, you know, the the thing is, is that I think that um, it's not a ghost story, but I will tell you one that really freaked me out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this woman was dry and this is the head scratcher category. And this is like the definition of a head scratcher. This woman was driving along and a woman walks out in front of her and she hits the woman. And obviously now, uh, my heart goes out to, to anybody gets hit by a car, but also anybody driving, yes. who, you know, especially if they're, you know, if they're not, uh, being irresponsible or, uh, or drinking or anything like that. I could just imagine how horrible that would be and how terrible, how that thought would be. It would change your whole life in a moment, not to mention the person who's been hurt or worse. And it seemed like she was driving along. Everything was normal. And this woman just walks out in front of her. At the last minute, this woman has a recognition she's going to be hit. And the woman looks at her and, you know, she gasps. So the woman stops and she's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I've got to help this person see how she is. She walks out of the car. She goes to the front of the car. There's nothing there. Mm. There's no one there. And she later um, talked to a coworker who worked in the same area and said there had been similar reports in the past. I mean, that is weird. I, I mean, that is kind of the epitome. I guess in a way it could be a ghost because it's a phantom. Uh, but that to me is kind of the epitome of the head scratcher, something that you're left at the end saying, what in the world did that mean? Now, when she hit this person, was there that, you know, this it's the, the worst sound in the world, that sickening thud of, of metal hitting flesh and bone. Did she hear that? Yeah, she said she did. Oh, she did. Yeah, she heard it. And there was nothing, though, that indicated any damage to the car or anything. I'm just imagining this woman searching frantically, looking under the car, thinking, did yes. I drag her? Is she behind the car? Exactly. That's exactly the way she described it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what you say about that. Now, part of me thought, well... Could this have been the, the, the case where 
maybe something horrible did happen and she did hit this woman. And it was so disturbing that she couldn't deal with it. You know, like a post, uh, post-traumatic stress yes, where you yes. blot something out. But what put the lie to that and, and it makes that seem like not a rational explanation is the fact that other people were reporting similar things and sightings of this, this person. Right, right. I don't know. How, I'm trying to think of the the vast array of emotions. Obviously, the, the 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 shock, the horror of hitting someone, then getting out, being totally confused when you can't find that person, uh, and then ultimately relief that you didn't hit someone, but absolute, you know, shock, amazement that I don't know what did you just encounter? A specter? A ghost? I mean, just <laughs> it's just a whole gambit of emotions there. Absolutely. And the thing is, I would always wonder the rest of my life, did I really, I, I would still question myself. Um, and I thought that that's what would make it really, really um, super scary is the fact that it's something that would always haunt you. What really happened? I think that's one that you would never, never let go of. Do you have an all-time favorite story that's appeared in one of your five volumes of campfire oh, yeah the 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 one which uh and because this place really exists we've had um listeners go and take pictures it's called the roadhouse saloon i probably talked to you about this story in the past and basically um and it really is like an episode of the twilight zone or i could i certainly see it on on something like night gallery uh, our caller, her name was T.I. She was up in Wisconsin and her and a male friend went to see a band. And this was in kind of a rural area, about an hour away from where they live. So they closed the place down and they were actually talking to the band after. So it was after two o'clock in the morning. Everything's closed. They're headed back home through this rural area. And T.I. says, is, you know, happens sometimes. We're all human. I've got to go to the restroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her friend Bob says, well, they're always the woods. And she said, no, just drive fast. So anyway, they're driving along and lo and behold, they come upon this bar, this roadhouse. It actually has a sign that says roadhouse and it's open, which usually wouldn't be the case after two o'clock in the morning, but they said, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. So they pull over. Uh, Bob says, actually, I'm glad we're here because there's this mural that was done by this artist and, uh, I've always heard about it and I want to see it. So uh, they went in. Bob ordered a couple of drinks. T.I. went and answered the call of nature and came back. And everybody kind of, uh, all the people in there acted kind of strange. They didn't really, they kind of looked at them, but they didn't really talk much with them. So anyway, uh, one uh, one guy, uh, they had an old jukebox, a vintage jukebox with vinyl. Uh, I used to say, Records, you remember those, but now everybody's, you know, everything that's uh, old is new again, and everybody knows what those are. But anyway, so I play, uh, the guy plays uh, Chubby Checkers, Let's Twist Again. <laughs> and uh, the guy comes up to T.I. and smiles real big, and he has these rotten teeth, and it's kind of disgusting. And, and he asks T.I. to dance. And she begs off because she has a cane. And she said, actually, in this case, she was glad she had that as a handy excuse. So that was a little weirdness and people just acted weird and they noticed this mural and they noticed that um, it was an old West scene. Like you would see an old TV Western or a Western movie 
uh, swinging doors, the bar, the bartender. And what they noticed on this mural was is that the people in the actual bar at that time of night, many of them were reflected in the painting, which was kind of hmm. odd. They thought, well, maybe the regulars, the artist came here and painted them as an homage and kind of given them a, a visual shout out. They thought that was weird. And they kept talking and they noticed in the, the little swinging doors that something they hadn't noticed was developing. It was like two figures. And almost like an old Polaroid picture. Remember the ones, the SX-70 and those ones? Yes, yes. Uh, That smell, the smell of that Polaroid film sticks with me. And anyway, so they looked at it and looked like there were two cloudy figures almost developing in. And they looked away a bit and they were a little more developed. And every time they looked, they were a little more. They Hmm. noticed one figure was much taller than the other one. And then eventually they noticed a shorter one was a woman with curly hair and Cowboy boots and a cane, and T.I. had curly hair, cowboy boots and a cane. And then the other much taller person sure started to look a lot like Bob. Oh. So they said, uh, okay, uh, we're leaving now. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Get ready to get up, and these people are, like, beckoning them back, beckoning them back, and uh, kind of, like, motioning, come back, come back. So they closed the door. Now, the thing is, when they first saw this place, I should have said it, it was lit up, neon lights, cars in the parking lot. After they closed the door, all the lights went off like it had never been open. Then they turned around, and there was a car in the parking lot, a singular car, Hmm. their car. So they left. Now, you might think that's the end of the story, but T.I. is a far braver soul than I am, Richard. She went back. And um, she went back a night or two later with a friend. Now, she didn't wait till three o'clock in the morning, though. She went at seven, eight o'clock at night. But she went in and she started talking to the bartender. It was a young lady. And she said, oh, I was here the other night. Uh, where's that young, good-looking bartender you had here the other night? She's like, oh, sorry, there's no bartender like that here. Uh, it's just me and my elderly father. And uh, she did notice the jukebox in the corner. A couple of interesting points on that jukebox, though. One, it played CDs. <laughs> Two, no chubby checker. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, I think T.E.I. finished your drink and uh, considered it one of those mysteries and left. But that is wow. my favorite campfire story. And wow. now it's very elaborate, and I've had people be very skeptical about it, but the thing that I could say is nothing the T.I. told me, and I had never heard of this place before. I, I can't say that anything she told me was incorrect because anything that has been verified has been verified as accurate to me, and I've seen pictures of the place. Oh, you have? Yes, yes. It's a, I have a, a campfire group uh, where people uh, put their stories 24-7, 365. It's free. It's on Facebook. Easy way to get to that is virtualcampfiregroup.com. We have almost 19,000 members there. And one of our listeners went and uh, posted some pictures. And by gum, it's there. Whereabouts? In Wisconsin. I don't know exactly. Uh, okay. And the and T.I., uh, when she went back, did she see the mural again? Was she looking for the mural? The mural was there, uh, and actually I have pictures of the mural Hmm. uh, on that. uh, It's in the campfire group. If people check it out, they'll be able to see pictures of the uh, pictures of the actual 
uh, of the actual uh, mural. And it's, it's pretty wild to see it. And it's like, yeah, there's a mural. It's there. <laughs> and it's an old West scene. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. But presumably she wasn't in it when she saw it the second time. No, no, she was not. And, and, but let me, let me just throw this out there. I mean, the, the world is a far stranger place than I think we realize. I think there are many layers that are unseen and not understood. You know, if you look at something like parallel universes or, uh, you know, the idea of multiple dimensions and, 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 and the multiverse. I mean, what if? Let's just presume that T.I. is 100% accurate with this and it happened just as she said. What if there was another version of that roadhouse that she almost crossed over into and I'm not saying all cases, but maybe when people go missing, sometimes it's not foul play. Maybe sometimes they didn't leave. They stumbled into another, another dimension. It reminds me of that story. And I'm sure you've heard it and I can't remember the country, but supposedly in Japan, there was somebody who landed and was discovered by the authorities. And uh, when they looked at his passports and everything, and all his documentation supposedly looked real, it was from a country that didn't exist. Hmm. And supposedly, and I'm trying to remember the, the name of this place. I can't remember this place, which turned out to be not real in our reality, at least. Supposedly, the Japanese put guards on this guy and had him in a hotel room so they could figure out what to do with him because they were trying to research and say, okay, what's the deal? I think this dates to the fifties or sixties. And when they tried to open up the hotel room the next morning, when he didn't respond, he was gone. Um, oh. <laughs> um, I can't remember a man without a country. Um, I can't remember the, um, the, the, but this is something that has been reported. Now, this may be an urban legend. It may just, uh, oh, the mystery man from Taurid, T-A-U-R-E-D. Your folks can. Taurid. Yeah. This was supposed to be the country he said he was from, and he had a passport from it. (laughs) Hmm. My word. You know, again, who knows? Who knows if that. Uh, but that is another thing that maybe makes us think about things like parallel universes and so forth. Jim, how do people listen to Campfire? Well, uh, they can listen to it on whatever podcast app they use, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Pretty much it is on all of them. They can also just go directly to jimherald.com, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. And at any one time, we have the most recent 90 days of episodes uh, for free. And you can listen, and we'd love for people to check it in. And if they enjoy it, uh, please, we'd love for them to submit their stories as well and be a part of our electronic campfire. Fantastic. And uh, the the, the uh, volumes, the five volumes of... Uh, the book form of Campfire. How do people get a hold of those? Well, they're all on the various Amazons around the world. And also they can go to jimheraldbooks.com and there'll be links right there, but you can get them as paperbacks and you can get them as Kindles. And uh, the, the Kindles are like $2.99 uh, American. So they're very inexpensive and, and a good uh, a, a good read, I think, if you love stories of the spooky. And Volume 7, again, coming out 
sorry, volume six coming out this fall, right? Yes. And hopefully volume seven next year, but volume six (laughs) right around Halloween time. Jim, always a delight. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. And great to be with you, Richard. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend some time with you and your great audience. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in mere moments to share a highlight or two from an upcoming episode, which will be a bit of a milestone. This segment, sponsored by The Horrible Movie Podcast, available at iTunes and thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Coming up on episode 250 of Conspiracy Unlimited, part two of an ongoing series on crimes and cover-ups in American politics, 1776 to 1963. I'm a genuine patriot in in terms of July 4th. I get tingles up my spine still when I read the Declaration of Independence, when I look at the values that they fought for. So that's what I hold on to. But I, you know, the, the people that have run this country largely since the end of the war between the states, since 1865. That's when the great change, that's when the United States became uh, singular. Before that, they were plural. used to say the United States are. Ever since then, it's the United States is. And instead of being sovereign citizens of the individual states, you became a, a citizen of this giant corporation, the United States of America. Until Wednesday, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.